The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Thanks for joining us. This is UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world. It's time for a different take on spirituality for the modern world. Welcome to Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Hey there, and welcome to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. I'm Jim Lefter. I'll be your host for today. I'm a spiritual journeyman and media consultant. Joining me today is my wonderful co-host, spiritual rebel Sarah Bowen. Sarah's the author of Spiritual Rebel a positively addictive guide to finding deeper perspective and higher purpose. And look for her new book, Sacred Send-Offs, coming soon. It's an animal chaplain's advice for surviving animal loss, making life meaningful, and healing the planet. So, Sarah, what are you up to? Oh, I am busy planning. We are getting ready to go out on the book tour, as you just mentioned. And I'm also excitedly already looking to the fall, although I'm trying to keep my feet and my mind in the moment here but I'm busy getting ready to return to Unity Village. Oh, how awesome. And that's great because today we're talking about all things Unity with Ellen Devonport, who's our resident Unity expert. So that's very cool. So what's going on at Unity Village? So over Halloween, uh, October 28th through 31st, we're doing a retreat called Whole Planet Spirituality. And you can go to the Unity homepage and click on events, or you can go to the spiritualforum.com slash retreat to get the information. But basically we're going to be trying to heal our personal and planetary consciousness, dealing with ethical fatigue and compassion fatigue. And how do you keep going in a chaotic world? And of course, talking a little bit about our sacred bond with animals. So maybe I can get you down there, Jim, for Halloween. Well, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. I would love to come to Unity, come to Unity Village and it's Halloween. So can I dress up? Yes, I am packing my Chewbacca outfit. So, you know, as long <laughs> as as we, we do some sort of fantastic duo, I think we'll be fine. Okay, I'll, maybe I'll be, uh, I'll be Han Solo, perhaps. Fabulous. Well, awesome. Well, we really wanted to dive into all things Unity today because, you know, we're on Unity Online Radio. And um, I think sometimes it's good to have a reminder of what Unity is in a in kind of a nutshell, kind of give us an idea of, um, the philosophy. And I know some people have heard it before and, and know this material, but I think there are a lot of people out there that just don't know some of the details. So I thought today would be a good day to dive into that. It is. It's a great opportunity to ask someone who's really in the know. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Do you have a quote for us today? I do. It's a little loquacious, so bear with me. When we get even the slightest glimpse of the unity of life, we realize that in tearing others down, 
we are tearing ourselves down too. When you sit in judgment on other people, you're training your mind to sit in judgment on yourself. As we forgive others, we are teaching the mind to respond with forgiveness everywhere, even to the misdeeds and mistakes of our own past. Ooh, wow, that sounds very important to me. That, that really hits me. Who's that from? That's Eknath Eastwarren uh, from the book Words to Live By, and people may know him from his wonderful translations of the uh, Dharmapada and the Upanishads. Uh, he has a beautiful way of taking complex ideas and, and making them more accessible for us. So I thought that would be useful today. And I got the word unity in there. So Absolutely. how about you? We've been talking a lot about prayer lately, and I thought this was a good one for me. Prayer is not supplication or begging, but a simple asking for that which we know is waiting for us at the hands of our Father and an affirmation of its existence. Oh, now see, I want to say that's probably a Fillmore. You are correct. Ding, 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 ding. That's our good friend, Charles Fillmore, who I go with uh, as Charlie. So I don't know if that's, if that's good or bad for me to call him Charlie. I don't know if Unity approves, but he's Charlie to me. I think that's respectful. I think it means that you have a close connection with his words and with his guidance. So you feel comfortable calling him like you might call a friend. He is my buddy. I do. Think <laughs> he's my buddy. All right. Are you ready to get into the episode? Let's do it. And now it's time for our interview. Reverend Ellen Devonport is currently working for Unity World Headquarters as Vice President of Publishing. She oversees Daily Word, which, by the way, I always carry with me, Unity Magazine, Unity Books, and the many other ways Unity shares its message with the world. She's the author of two books, The Five Principles, which is studied in Unity throughout the world, and Hell in the Hallway, Light at the Door, about the spiritual path through change and transition. She also led Unity Churches in Dallas and Wimberley, Texas. Hi, Ellen. Welcome to Big Universe. Hey, Jim. Hey, Sarah. It's Hello. So, it's so great to have you on. Um, we wanted to treat our listeners to some insight in the whole Unity experience. I know we're on Unity Online Radio, and um, I don't know that all the time people get kind of a refresher on on this of the, the deep material of Unity, and I wanted to make sure that folks on our show got that opportunity with you. And you know, you're the, the author of the five principles and, and an, an awesome but Unity resource, so I thought we'd tap you and bring you on. Okay, I'm happy to be here. Awesome, awesome. Are you ready? Here's ready. the here's where we start. In a nutshell, what is unity? That's the hardest question you could probably ask. <laughs> <laughs> it starts with the big one. Yep, and you would get lots of different answers. So we have a tagline we use that says something like, unity is a positive practical path to healthy abundant living. Uh, that's that's the intention. We like I could give you all the history if you want, but we like to call it a movement instead of a denomination. Okay. Uh, the teachings are based on Jesus, but you can get an argument about whether or not it's Christian. Okay. Uh, we, we don't take the Bible literally. We try not to judge other people as right or wrong. We don't tell people how to vote. Uh, what I liked about Unity is that I could ask all my questions. And the church I grew up in, if you ask questions, you just didn't have enough faith mm. to believe what you were being told. So being a question asker myself, it felt really good to 
be able to come to unity and nobody was offended if I said, well, I'm not sure I agree with that. That is awesome, isn't it? It's an awesome yeah. aspect of unity. Very cool. So how did how did you find your way to unity? I mean, did you, you grew up in a different uh, philosophy and how did you get to unity? I was turning 40 and feeling like there's got to be more to life than work and sleep. <laughs> and even though I, I missed having a spiritual community, even though I didn't want to go back to the church of my childhood, it, it that I was missing that sense of belonging, first of all, and that resource for spiritual growth. And so my mother knew about unity through her 12-step friends. And she suggested I look and see if there was a unity church near me. And because it was her idea, I waited a year. But I finally <laughs> investigated. Of course. <laughs> and, and found uh, there was a unity church about a mile up the road from me. So I went to a service and like, you know, like so many people who've discovered unity, I cried through the whole service. I felt like I'd come home. I couldn't believe there was this whole room full of people who believed what I believed because I thought I was so out in left field and would never be accepted anywhere. And they were on the exactly the same page. So over time, what I wanted to do with unity began to interfere with my day job. And I decided to go to seminary and became a minister. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, when I first stepped into unity, I was terrified because I was thinking, oh my gosh, is this a, is this a cult or something? What, what is this about? But it's, it's such a wonderful, welcoming philosophy that, you know, it grabbed me from the beginning. Yeah, it is. So um, just a quick history lesson. How did unity come about? It is older than the Centers for Spiritual Living, the Science of Mind movement, but part of the same, under the same New Thought umbrella. Uh, unity grew out of transcendentalism in the mid-1800s. You remember Emerson and Thoreau? True. Emerson was a huge influence on Charles and Myrtle Fillmore. They were a middle-aged Kansas City couple who had little children and had both been ailing, had various ailments all their lives. And they both healed themselves with the power of mind over body using prayer and meditation, Myrtle first and later Charles. So they decided to share what they were learning and they did not establish a church. They started a magazine. They also started a prayer ministry. And today, uh, Unity Magazine is still published along with Daily Word and the Unity Prayer Ministry or Silent Unity praise live with people 24 7. Wow so you know this is just a, a small question but how does unity see God or the universe <laughs> what's, what's the philosophy just a tiny question. Jim's famous for these big questions. Yeah, big questions. <laughs> uh, first of all what God is not in in the unity view God is not an old bearded man in the sky judging us or intervening in our lives. For me, it's more like the force in Star Wars. <gasps> Jim, she said the force. I know, we're Star Wars fans. Well, we're on board. We're on board, Ellen. It's, you know, it's an invisible power that we can use. And I love the Ernest Holmes line, which I've seen different ways, but there's a force for good in the universe and I can use it. Uh, so that's the transcendent God. God is all that is in everything and beyond everything 
The theological term is panentheism. But the second way is that God is within us, called the eminent God. Actually, not just in you, but God as you, which is a hard concept for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. That our nature is divine. We are spiritual beings. And it's daunting because if we believe that, then what does that mean for the way we live? Yeah. Mm. Can we have a personal relationship with God? Is there is there a way that we can have that relationship? And what does that what does that even mean? Yeah, it's all in how you think about it. Some people have a very personal idea of God. He walks with me and talks with me. Uh, personally, I'm speaking for myself, not not necessarily unity. I think God is too big to be involved in my life. Um, there's a, a verse in the Old Testament that said. God's eyes are too pure to behold evil. So I, I, don't, I no longer think of God as something that knows exactly what's going on. Uh, it's a force. It's the law. It's the way things are set up for me to use. My personal relationships are with angels and spirit guides. Oh, which some, pe- some people even in unity would think that's woo-woo or silly. The only drawback to thinking in terms of a relationship with God is that it's easy, and many of us were taught this, to just throw up our hands and turn it over to God and abdicate any personal responsibility as creators. But we're also teaching there's a lot we can do to bring about the life we want to manifest. Uh, And that is taught perhaps even more strongly in CSL than in unity. Hmm. I think a lot of us grew up with the understanding our job is to worry and pray while God makes it all better and that is not the role of humans who have a spiritual nature who know that we are divine and one with god Hmm. you you mentioned guides and and uh and angels and i'm curious you know about that philosophy within within unity how do you see that in in your personal life what's that experience like um Some people in unity disapprove of it because they see it as looking outside yourself for answers. And in unity, you know, we're always supposed to turn to the divine within for answers. The more I try to understand oneness, the more I think it doesn't matter where the Hmm. guide seems to come from. Uh, We can't prove it one way or another anyway, but we can intuit, and humans always have intuited, a presence that is somehow greater than we are that can be beneficial to us. I mean, we've tried for thousands of years to to please that presence. We're wedded to this idea that if we can just get it right, nothing bad will ever happen to us. And there is nothing in history to suggest that's true. But for me, spirits and spirit guides and angels are a way to have a relationship with the divine. Hmm. I think humans are kind of wired for dualism. And so it's easy for us to think of me and you. Um, So it helps to have someone to talk to. I love that. And if somebody thinks of that as God or Jesus or something else, that's fine too. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. All right. You wrote the book on the five principles. Are we ready to dive into that? We are. All right, let's go. The first one you touched on t- 
touched on earlier, God is all. So can I just start with the principles overall? Please. Because it's important to say these don't belong to unity. They're not even unity's philosophy. They are ancient, spiritual, universal principles that have been taught in most of the world's religions. Charles Fillmore, when he was inventing unity, uh, read widely. He and Myrtle both read everything they could find, and he pulled from the world's religions and found this thread through all of them. Sometimes it's called the perennial philosophy or the golden thread, and it is basically what boils down to what we call the five principles. There is a new book just published by Unity called Unity and World Religions. Oh, interesting. Here are the five principles. Here's how they show up in Judaism and Islam and uh, Buddhism. Lots of religions are included in there. It's really interesting. Very, very readable. Uh, Okay, first principle, God is all there is. I'm not sure how to elaborate on that. God is all there (laughs) is. Well, you did talk about that. You did talk about that earlier, and that's definitely, it's a big one. (laughs) Jim, Jim, I would love to jump in there with a question I get all the time around this area and see what Ellen has to say, if, if she's willing to go there. Folks will say to me, all right, if God is all there is, and there's a, there's a tragedy in my life, or there's a crisis, or there's a war, or there's something going on, what does that, what does that mean? And how, how would you answer that question from this first principle? I'm, I made notes on that. I'm looking for them. Um, <laughs> I have notes I probably, too. I probably jumped ahead, we're, but you're throwing events, stuff at you yeah. constantly here current events are on my mind and so you know that comes up a lot of if god is everything is 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 god also in the things that i think are evil or is god in the things that are painful for me yes um the the rest of the first principle is god god is the one presence and one power in the universe and is absolute good and that's a really hard concept because in our dualistic thinking We have good and bad, and we label everything. It's good and bad, and if it's really bad, it's evil. Um, So first of all, we need to know we're talking about two different levels, and the absolute and relative, and relative is where humans live. So in the great cosmic scheme of things, there is no bad in the universe. There are human events we label bad, most of them caused by humans, and their rampant free will. So is it possible there is good in it or behind it? Yes, and not necessarily something we'll understand or experience while we are on earth. But maybe when we have a more cosmic view, we will see the good. So I like to to say or to ask, this is happening for me instead of to me. And that changes the way I think about it. And I start Mm -hmm. looking for the gifts it might bring. How could this be for me? And an even harder question is, why would I have chosen it? And some people will uh, resist the idea that they ever possibly could have chosen it. And that's when I go back to, you you asked me about soul contracts. In a a future question, we may get to. (laughs) I think that as souls, we, we plan a lot of what our lives are going to be like. We can pick our parents and where we're going to be, and the broad strokes of what might happen based on what it is we want to learn. And 
I can't prove that at all. I just believe it because it makes sense and it gives life a lot more meaning for me if we are here for our soul's growth and learning. And souls don't label anything bad. They just think it's all interesting. Mm, oh, I love that, so Ellen. an area where I could work. Okay. Boy, is my soul interested in a lot of stuff. Yeah. So and they have a long list of things to accomplish in this lifetime. So principle number two is you are God, which is another hard one for people to, to grasp sometimes. Right. But that's what we've been talking about is our spiritual nature or our divine nature. Uh, if God is all there is, then what else could we be except a part of God? Uh, one with God. It's hard for our minds to even approach the concept of oneness because we have everything divided out into pieces and parts and labeled, you know, good, bad, up, down, hot, cold. Uh, so yes, you are God, not all that God is. The example we usually give is a drop of ocean water. It is, it has all the elements of the ocean, but it is not the whole ocean. And so human beings have the elements of the divine. We have access to the attributes of God, but certainly God is, is more than we will ever be in this human form. And the third one is co-creating with God, which is an interesting concept. Concept You talked about uh, sacred contracts, um, soul contracts, and this plays into that to some extent, but what, what do you mean by co-creating with God? Uh, I probably wouldn't use that term if I were writing the book today, but it's mm. the idea that our thoughts have creative power that our thinking shows up in our lives. And I think that's emphasized maybe more in CSL than it is in Unity. Hmm. I think Unity could use a big dose of Ernest Holmes, actually. But um, we do believe that our thoughts have creative power. And, and it saddens me to see people backing away from that principle because it just feels so cold. If, if somebody is sick or something we label bad happens to them, uh, that's not the time to say they created it, but it could be that they did hmm. for a good reason, something they agreed to before they ever came in here. And what I'm hearing more and more often now, even from unity ministers is, oh, well, we have no control over what happens, but we can choose how we respond to it. We create our experience, but not actual events. And I think if Myrtle Fillmore, who was told at 40 she had six months to live, if she had said, well, I will choose my experience, she'd have found inner peace while she died young. But instead, she used the power of her mind to change the circumstances. And that was the exciting news that Charles and Myrtle wanted to teach. So I think we need to stick with it, even though it's very hard for us to understand, and we don't really have a good handle on it yet, but somehow our thoughts have creative power. And if only 5% of our thoughts are conscious, then there's a lot going on we don't have access to yet. So an important just, distinction. Yeah, absolutely. It really is, yeah. So sometimes people get caught up in the idea that, uh, you know, oh my gosh, I can't ever have a negative thought. You know, I'm, is, right. is 
and how do we how do we deal with those negative thoughts i mean um can we have a negative thought yeah yes and i hate for people to get scared of their own thoughts uh we have a little saying thoughts held in mind produce after their kind but the key word is held it's what you dwell on it's what you believe even when you may not be aware that you're believing it um and you'll see it in people who say, well, this law of attraction doesn't work. I want the great love of my life to show up and nobody's here. What they're believing is love hurts mm-hmm. and I don't want to go there again. And mm-hmm. so the poor universe doesn't know what to do when we send it <laughs> messages. Right. I wanted to ask you briefly about uh, Silent Unity before we go to break here. Um, if, if someone needs help, they can contact Silent Unity. Tell me a little bit about Silent Unity. We just have a couple of minutes. Myrtle Fillmore started Silent Unity uh, at the same time they were starting the publishing. She started asking people for their prayer requests. Maybe they asked her first and she realized this was a gift she could give. But she started it uh, as a prayer ministry by letter. People would write and ask for prayer for different things and she answered some of them we have a book called Myrtle Fillmore's Healing Letters that has some of her answers in it and eventually there was a whole room full of letter writers who were answering people with prayers then it moved to telephone now it's telephone and online it's interesting how technology has changed the way unity prays with people but we're still doing it Mm-hmm. And there is still always someone in silent prayer 24 hours a day for all those requests that have come in. That's awesome. And how do people reach that service? Oh, can I give you the number after the break? Oh, of course. Of course. I'll have to look it up. Sure. And we could go online too to, to reach that service too, I know. Yeah. If you go to unity.org, uh, click on view all topics and Prayer request prayer is right at the top of the page and it awesome. will walk you through the steps. We're going to talk more about the, uh, the principles in just a little bit. Um, I wanted to just, you, you mentioned in the book, I want to also talk about uh, affirmative prayer when we come back and what you yeah. say, one of the things you talk about in the book, I'm quoting you here, affirmative prayer is not the hope that things will get better, but the certainty that they already are better. Yeah. I just love that. I love that, uh, that philosophy. All right. Well, I'm rudely interrupting everybody. We'll be right back on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. you found us this is unity online radio.org the voice of an awakening world
Welcome back to a slightly off-kilter look at spirituality. This is Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Welcome back to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. We're talking with Ellen Devonport. So Ellen, you have a phone number for us for Silent Unity. I do. The phone number for Silent Unity is 816-969-2000. And And when you call... It will give you a choice of talking live to a prayer associate or listening to a recorded prayer. And interestingly enough, about a quarter of the people who call choose the recorded prayer. Hmm. We've also noticed that you can submit prayer requests online too. We've noticed that um, a lot more men will do it that way. The callers are women. But men are willing to go online and submit prayer requests. So we're trying to find ways that are comfortable for everyone. That's awesome. I know I've gone online for that. I've, I've actually used the online rather than call in. So I guess I'm part of that uh, demographic. Yeah. yeah. I had a friend who was just in the hospital for quite some time. And I think we put in multiple requests. So it's a really, really useful and I did do the listen to the prayer, and I just found at certain points when I just could, I didn't have words to okay. speak to someone that that option of listening was was really helpful with the tears streaming down my face. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So being able to approach that that practice in whatever way is comfortable for you or what your needs are in the moment too is is very gracious. So the fourth principle, communion with God. Tell us about that one, Ellen. It's a simple principle that prayer and meditation are what keep us aware of our connection with God. They don't establish a connection because that never goes away. We are part of God. We are divine. We are one with God. So, uh, but prayer is the way that we feel it. And I think I said in the book that prayer is focused thought that moves energy. Hmm. And I believe that, and I still think nobody quite knows how prayer works. But Charles Fillmore gave us a five-step prayer process. Oh, great. Let's, that, let's dive into that. Okay. The first step is relaxation. Just breathe deeply and focus within and become willing to know a truth that frees you from whatever is concerning you. And then concentration. He said, recognize the power of God as life, love, wisdom, and ever-present good. So that's essentially principle one. You know, remember that God is all there is. And then what he called meditation is seeing that the power of God is the same power within you, your divine potential, which is essentially principle two. We are God. We are a part of God. Then realization. Know that you have the power to be, do, and have whatever you want to allow the good you desire into your life. That's principle three, isn't it? And then his last step was appreciation. Grateful for your growing spiritual awareness. You go forth empowered to live life fully and have a fulfilling future similar to the five steps of prayer in CSL. Hmm. Very good. Very good. Does unity believe in the, in the concept of a soul? You talked about soul contracts before, but what does unity think about that? 
you know, the film wars didn't say a lot about it. Well, maybe I should take that back. They really, they didn't call it that. They talked about mind. I think they'd have called it mind because mm -hmm. they meant a lot more than brain when they said mind. They meant all that, that we are, uh, all that we're aware of and not, and our human and spiritual natures combined, I think is what they meant by mind. Mm -hmm. I think now we would call it soul. Like what? spirit, soul, and body, they might have called spirit, mind, and body. Okay, okay. With What's Unity's view on medicine and science? Because sometimes, you know, there's there's folks that feel like, you know, you shouldn't dive into science. It's not really where we are. And then there are other folks that do the other other side of things. What is Unity's yeah. view on that? Well, Charles Fillmore loved science. He was so excited by the science that was coming forth in the late 1800s and 1900s when he was alive. He died shortly after World War II. He loved the idea that you could experiment with an idea and verify it for yourself. And that's what he kept saying we should do with these spiritual principles, just try it. Just use the scientific method yourself. He was so excited at the time about electricity and radio. And we often say he would have loved the internet. Oh he, yeah. <laughs> he was an early adopter of, of whatever was available in his time. So Unity has no problem with science at all. The Fillmore's did not have good luck with doctors. They both had physical ailments that doctors really couldn't treat. So that's why they turned to spiritual means for healing. But Unity has no problem with, with seeking treatment, whether it's Western or Eastern or alternative. One of our basic books is Lessons in Truth by Emily Cady, who was a doctor a homeopathic physician in New York City in the 1800s, if you can imagine. And she said, first to God, then to man as God directs. So you use your guidance, seek whatever treatment you are guided to do. So Ellen, you've talked about a few of the different roots that have come up in this thinking uh, that that evolved into unity and the transcendentalist. And we also touched a little bit on kind of the Christian-ish roots. Could you tell us more about the concept of Jesus and Christ consciousness within unity? Yeah, it's, it's, I'm stuck on the word Christian-ish. Oh, We're, I'm sorry. That's one of my favorite words. And I threw that in. We are Christian-ish <laughs> now. Um, I think the Fillmore's were pretty Christian. Either that or they believed there, there was no other vocabulary that people would understand. Mm, There's a lot of Bible in their writings, a lot of Jesus in their writings. And that, you know, in America, that was the culture at the time. And they didn't try to explain Hinduism uh, to people or Hindu. Right. Concepts. The audience, the audience wouldn't really right. understand that. Yeah. Even though we know the Fillmore's were reading that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you're, if you're astute, you can see it worked into unity. So unity separates the idea of Jesus and what we call the Christ. Jesus was the man. He was the teacher, the 
the avatar, he represents Christ consciousness, which is the divine energy in all of us. He shows us what it looks like when you're living from your true spiritual nature. So the Christ is the divine in all of us or Christ consciousness. And that's the goal. You know, all this spiritual work we're doing is to elevate our consciousness more and more to that level. And it appears that very few people have achieved that on the earth so far. Yeah, yeah, I would say that's probably, that's probably true. Yeah, but it's the same as the Buddha nature. It's what, it's what we know we are and could be. Mm. I like that. Mm, beautifully said, yeah. yeah. So back to the principles that we left the last one off, which is expressing God. What is that? What is that experience like? What's that? Yeah, it's the principle is live the truth you know. That knowing the principles isn't enough. We must live the truth we know. And living the truth is not necessarily taking action. Uh, it is seeking that elevated consciousness. And then living the truth comes very naturally. But unity is more and more about taking action. And I think this may be true across the board with spiritual groups, that there were several decades of the inner path, uh, meditation and, you know, improving myself. And the last couple of decades, people have started to look up and say, oh, but there's still the rest of the world out here. What is mine to do yes. with that? And so unity churches are more involved locally, at least, in just doing good things for people. Um, there was a fundraiser at Unity Temple on the Plaza here in Kansas City for the homeless and the food insecure. It, I mean, it's that kind of thing that churches are doing. It's a little tricky since so many things are political now. Yes. And we have nonprofit status to protect, which limits us some mm -hmm. in expressing any political views. We can take a stand on issues, but not candidates. Mm -hmm. But but even taking a stand on issues can alienate half the people. So it's it's a pretty fine line that people are walking as they try to live the truth. So in addition to the five principles, there are also 12 powers. Oh my gosh, yes. Can you talk? I, well, clearly we don't have time to go through all 12 at depth, but could we dive in a little bit to, to some of these 12 powers? So the 12 powers came from to us from Charles Fillmore. He may have gotten them from Emma Curtis Hopkins, who was their teacher and who ordained them originally. The idea is that because we are divine, because our nature is spiritual, we have access to all the attributes of God. Where Jesus is concerned, we believe that what he could do, we can do. And so Charles delineated those 12. Can I at least read what they are? Of please course. Do, please do. Okay. <laughs> so faith, strength, wisdom, love, power, imagination, understanding, will, order, zeal, renunciation or release, and life. If I were doing it, I would add joy and peace. Hmm. But he didn't ask me. 
14 powers. We'll yeah, go with that. Powers. Yeah. And audience, you will be quizzed on this after the show. Everyone will have to remember each and every 12 power. Well, it's kind of interesting what you feel drawn to. I noticed while you were reading that list, Ellen, I've never really thought about zeal. You know, there's kind of this interesting history of the word zealot within Christianity or, or you know, some, some baggage thrown on the word zeal. But I found myself like, oh, haven't thought of that before. Carol said, I fairly sizzle with zeal and spring forth to do what is mine to do. He said that when he was 93. Wow. Yeah. He must have been a character. He must have been. So zeal is, in this context, enthusiasm, zest for life. And I would think expecting the good must be part of that. Hmm. Is there one that I, I know we're not supposed to pick favorites in lists, but is there one that you feel most uh, useful or drawn to, or do you have one that stands out for you or are you equal across the board? No, my favorite is power. Oh, please, please explain. The power of power. One of the reasons I like power is because it's located in the throat. It's about speaking your truth. And as a communicator, a writer, I love that. I love the permission to speak and to express. And so that's the power of power. Jim, was there one that stood out for you? I like imagination. Mm. I, that's, you know, I, I love, imagination is really big for me. And I, can you talk a little bit about imagination? I love that imagination is included here. Because I think sometimes, especially as children, we can get the idea that, oh, that's just your imagination, that it's not a good thing. And of course, all our creativity comes from imagination. And so, of course, it's a divine power. And again, it's permission to go ahead and think up new things and in investigate new ideas. Try it out for yourself. Hmm. It seems to me that with, without imagination, there can't be co-creation. Right. Seems almost inherent that it's required. So we have a little time to, to dip a couple other ones. I would love to hear what your take on the word order. Order is a hard one. Mm -hmm. um, because it ends up sounding like predestination. And it isn't because we have free will. But order, order is the law. It's that we are living within spiritual laws or principles that govern what we can do, whether we know it or not. So, for instance, the idea that we are creating with our thoughts, I believe, is happening whether we know it or not, hmm. whether we like it or not. And that's a good reason to pay attention to what we're thinking, what we're focusing on, because it, it does manifest in our lives. So order is... That, that that works, that that principle works. Uh, it's so hard to put into words. We struggle with this with every issue of Daily Word is to describe divine order. It, it, it is the order in the chaos of the universe. Uh, and it's also as simple as putting your house in order, your mind in order, the way things are supposed to be. So with, with that, for some reason, I, I feel like I, I want to ask, you know, you, you said sort of sounds like predestination. Does, does unity believe in things like reincarnation and, and that sort of thing? I'm just curious. 
Yes, Charles Fillmore thought that we would eventually become spiritualized, that we would be whatever Jesus was after he was resurrected. He called it spiritual man, um, but it takes a lot of work to get there. And so we necessarily have to have a lot of lifetimes to get there. Yeah, I feel and like- I think most people in unity believe in reincarnation just as a modern, uh, you know, spiritual thing. What about faith? Tell me about faith. I struggle a little with the word faith because I mentioned earlier, it was kind of used as a club when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. You just don't yeah. have enough faith. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So in Unity, we teach that there's a difference between blind faith and understanding faith. Blind faith is when you believe it because you were told to believe it and you never question it. Understanding faith is having faith because you know how it works. So a good example is we have faith the sun will come up every morning because we know how, you know, where the sun is and what the earth is rotating and we know why we have a sunrise. So we can have faith with an understanding of why that happens. We can have faith in the absolute good or in divine order because we understand that there are spiritual laws governing all of this. Kind of, they're kind of like um, guardrails on a road. So there's one word on here uh, that has me thinking about this past weekend where at the seminary I teach at, we were studying Islam. We were talking about the 99 names of God. Mm -hmm. And there's often names in there that people like, no, uh-uh, like constrictor is one of those. Some of the, some of the words that feel, feel limiting, those kind of words for God. And I see that, that one of those words perhaps shows in here in the 12 powers of renunciation. Can you talk about the, the intent and the, the act of renunciation? I actually have come to love renunciation. Fillmore called it elimination. And oh. he meant it in the literal physical sense, the everybody poops sense. <laughs> I did not know that. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah. And we in Unity have been so squeamish about the word elimination that it was initially changed to renunciation and now it's release. But the concept is that you have to release what no longer serves you in order to stay healthy. It's like trees dropping their leaves in the fall. It's just all part of the cycle of life. And there's nothing bad or embarrassing about it. It's, it's, just, it's just the way life works. So can we officially say that we got the poop on unity? Oh dear. Oh. I never should have said that. <laughs> well, you know, it, it is fascinating because in Judaism, you know, there is a prayer for elimination. There is a prayer to say after you use the toilet and your body eliminates, there's a prayer that is basically, you know, if you're doing the multiple prayers per day, if that's part of your practice, that says, you know, thank you, God, that my body is working properly. Yes. And I've always thought that's a beautiful practice because if you've ever known someone for whom that part of your body um stops working and you have to carry a bag with you or you have all there's all these different things when we don't eliminate properly very physical um very very limiting types of things so i think we should think more about poop and spirituality <laughs> jim 
we need maybe we need a whole episode on elimination i don't know ellen maybe you've inspired a, a sub theme a new book a new book <laughs> everybody's that. spiritual poops right that'll be the new one i'm glad to know about the jewish prayer because that mm -hmm. that will really help explain it to students it is a necessary part of staying alive yes and release is also about things like release, releasing relationships uh, at certain times that don't serve you, releasing old habits. Uh, we're in Lent right now as we record this, and it is about release. Our Lent booklets are called Release and Renew. Hmm. And it's about letting go of negative thinking and old habits and replacing them with something better. I'd love to dive, you know, we're, we keep going to 12 powers because I think they're so rich, you know, they're so, so interesting. Um, can you talk about wisdom? What does wisdom mean in this context? I think wisdom is where we get our inner guidance. You know, it's our, it's our divine wisdom is where we turn for help. So not necessarily my big book stack as wisdom you know i think wisdom can come from anywhere when i when i used to believe that god was really active in our lives i would say god speaks to us through books and movies and other people and strangers on the bus so whenever a message reaches you it's not so much about where it came from as what part of that christ consciousness it stimulated in you Oh, I love that. See, I can go and get more and more and more and more books now, Jim. Ellen yes. said. Yes. Ellen keep said collecting. Okay. Keep collecting without guilt for not having read them yet. They're going to be there when I need them. <laughs> you sound like me. <laughs> Writers. <laughs> yep. What about strength? That's about perseverance. It's about stick-to-itiveness, that we can just keep on keeping on when we have to. And it's interesting to me that that is a spiritual attribute, because it takes spiritual strength to get through life sometimes. Oh, boy, does it. Boy, does it. So, Ellen, are there shadow sides, or is that question in itself me returning to duality of these powers? Wow. That's an interesting insight. Um, the official unity teachings don't include much about the shadow. It's just deny, you know, just that has no power over me. And the more we understand about psychology, the more we have to say, wait a minute, some things have to be acknowledged before they can be released or replaced. So uh, lots of people in unity have done shadow work and found it very useful. I suppose it would be seen as dualistic, but I don't know how we get away from that as long as we're here on earth. Yeah, well, it comes up for me with like power and strength and some of the things that we're seeing in the world um, with power imbalances or, mm -hmm. or that kind of thing. I mean, I know in the 12 powers, we're talking about um, these kind of attributes of God that, that then we are using. Um, but but I do think about that of of when when these powers may be maybe imbalanced or when the scale may be tipped too far um, somewhere. So thank you thank you for that clarification. 
it comes to me the the idea of will you know i think it's misused to some extent you know we we feel like we're pushing we're pushing things to make them happen what does will mean in terms of yeah will is another tricky power to describe uh it is we do not mean god's will and we do not mean will power it's the executive decision making attribute that we have and and that's how we create the kingdom of heaven choice by choice so our ability to make decisions choose our behavior choose what we're thinking that's that's will and that's hugely important in all of this spiritual growth what's one piece of advice that you'd give someone who's going through a tough time in their life you know um i wrote an article it's on unity.org called staying spiritual in stressful times and I have 10 steps, so you just ask for one. Uh, but can I give you a couple? You sure How can. Much time do we, have? we don't have, we're okay. really running close, so. Okay. The first one is beware of the spiritual bypass. Trying to immediately transcend everything and be all spiritual and Zen does not serve us. We're human. We have feelings. And feelings just want to be felt. They're kind of like children wanting attention. <laughs> so don't be too quick to say it's all good. Uh, if you are, a lot of us are looking at the world right now with some distress and one way to stay spiritual is to say, okay, what is mine to do in this situation? Because I think a lot of us leap immediately to how can I save the world? And even mother Teresa said, you address the person in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Ellen. It's fantastic to have you on uh, Big Universe. Thanks for joining us. I've loved it. Thank you so much for inviting me. Absolutely. And find out more about Unity, go to unity.org and make sure you take out, you check out Ellen's books, The Five Principles, and Hell in the Hallway, Light at the Door. For more great information about Sarah Bowen and to pre-order her Sacred Sendoffs book, go to sacredsendoffs.com. You can find more about me on my website called youthrivehere.com. Thanks, everybody. I'm Jim Lefter with Sarah Bowen. We'll talk with you next time on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of a Guided Life podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.